0: This is Athenia, giving voice to the people who make Athens, Georgia the unique, weird, and wonderful place we call home.
1: Pandora tensed as his mouth came to hers, as light as a brush of silk or a zephyr breeze. He was almost tentative at first, making no demands, only feeling the contours of her mouth with his softly, softly. His lips moved over hers in sensuous touches that quieted the usual chaos of her brain. He caught gently at her lower lip, and then the upper, the tender nibbling sending vibrant shocks down to the quick of her body. Pressing deeper, he coaxed her lips to part until an unfamiliar flavor whispered across her senses, something clean and soft and stirring." Okay, I'll stop there before anyone starts to squirm. Hey everyone, I'm Lauren Baggett, Athenia producer and resonant romance novel enthusiast. And I'm one of millions of readers who help make romance fiction a billion-dollar industry. In fact, according to Nielsen, the romance genre accounts for 34% of total fiction sales in the U.S. That's one-third. So what makes these books so enticing? Maybe it's easier to start with what they aren't. Romance novels are not tawdry lady porn. Yes, all romance novels are about a love story, and that includes the first intimate moments of the relationship, but the details vary beyond that. The intimacy between characters can range from one or two sweet kisses to full-on erotica. In all novels I've read, never once has a character ripped a bodice. It's just all about finding what's comfortable for you. Romance novels are not anti-feminists. These books, for the most part, reflect the normative values of the time when they're written. Just like how many of us now cringe at how gay and lesbian characters are stereotyped in 90s TV shows, the development of the romance hero or heroine tracks with the changing times. Today's characters span all races and ethnicities, and there's a growing number of books that feature gay, lesbian, and other non-cisgender heroes. Just a few pages later, the heroine in the scene that I read a few moments ago unflinchingly declares that she's never going to marry because it would mean giving up her personhood and her rights to her company. It's a progressive statement for a woman in 1870s England, but is a cause that a 2018 reader can cheer on. Romance novels are not lowbrow literature for bored housewives. So, Ronos get a bad rap for building shallow plots, and the Fabio-like, bare-chested models that grace the covers of the books in the 1980s did not help discredit the stereotype that these novels aren't good fiction in their own right. Maybe there are some books that are genuinely bad, but that doesn't do all romance novels justice. Romance fiction can take place in any time and place, inspiring countless subgenres—contemporary, historical, supernatural even spiritual or religious themes. I'm personally a fan of historical romance novels, and I can say writers of the historical genre do a lot of research into the eras in which they put their plots. And personally, I've learned a lot about Regency-era England. Seriously, quiz me the next time you see me. These novels can have very intriguing and complex plots, and the best of them make you laugh, cry, and think. And I think for me, the appeal of romance novels is getting to experience falling in love again with each new book. I experience the nerves, the first inkling of attraction, the courage it takes to feel vulnerable with another person, and the triumph of acceptance. Of course, each couple has their fair share of conflict, but it always turns out all right in the end. And maybe some would say, that's too neat. It's formulaic. It's unrealistic. And that's fair, because all romance novels are meant to offer an emotionally satisfying ending— But that's kind of what I like about it. I know that real love is messy, that real relationships with lovers and friends and family don't look like this. But sometimes in this world, when there's a lot that isn't going right, a little escape into a fictional one, where love overcomes all and good guys come out on top, sometimes I need that. So maybe I haven't changed your mind entirely about romance novels, but I hope that I've shed a little bit of light on a genre that's beloved by many, and deserves a rightful place on our bookshelves. Today on Athenia, we're talking books. We'll meet a local bookseller and author and hear how Athens inspired his latest novel. And we'll learn how all the little libraries around town came to be. Our first story comes from reporter Jake Troyer, and looks at the treasure trove of free books that are hiding in plain sight in your neighborhood.
0: I think the thing that was a pleasant surprise for us was just how easy it was and how people really jumped on the idea.
2: That's Sarah Freeman. She's been living in Athens for over 20 years. A while back, Sarah got involved with the LEAD program organized by the Athens Chamber of Commerce. The LEAD program's goal is to encourage community leaders to get involved in different sectors of the Athens community. As a participant in the LEAD program, Sarah was quickly put on a team and given a task
0: each team is tasked with creating a project that would um, improve the community in some way. And so our team, about five years ago, decided to start a little free library here in Athens. And at the time, it was a very new concept. I think a few had started around the country, and one of our team members had seen a news piece on it and thought that it would be a great program to bring here to Athens.
2: The Little Free Library movement started with just one little library in Wisconsin, back in 2009. Since then, the small take-a-book-leave-a-book boxes have spread all over the globe. If you've walked around Athens, you've probably seen a couple. Many people in the community compare the libraries to large mailboxes or birdhouses, creatively painted and full of books that neighbors want to share. Once Sarah's team decided what they would do for their project, they got to work.
0: We had the goal of trying to set up five little libraries around the community and uh, we also wanted to try to make them a little different and to reflect the character of the community. So we enlisted some local artists to help design these uh, little libraries. And so, um, you know, the artists came on board right away. They were really enthusiastic about the concept And as one of our initial parts of the project, we had a book drive. And so we did that at, um, I think it was Little Kings downtown, and we just invited a bunch of our friends and our classmates from the LEAD program to participate, and we got a a ton of books. We got a lot more books than we ever imagined. In fact, we were still populating the libraries, uh, you know, a few months afterwards just from all the books that we got.
2: Sarah says one of the most rewarding aspects of the project is seeing the idea spread through Athens and beyond.
0: There are a lot of little libraries now, and it's so neat to see them pop up around the community. Just Even in Oconee County where I live, they have some at the park now, and they have one for adult books and one for kids' books, and so it's just really neat to see that park.
2: There are currently 22 officially licensed libraries in and around Athens. If you want to learn more about the Little Free Library movement, or find the closest library to your neighborhood, you can find more info at littlefreelibrary.org.
1: Our final segment features a conversation between special guest reporter Erica Hensley and local author Will Walton.
3: Hi everyone. This is Erica Hensley and I'm with Radio Athenia. Today I'm here talking with my coworker and friend Will Walton of Avid Bookshop and we're going to talk about writing books, selling books, publishing books and why book selling is such a vibrant industry here in Athens. Hey, Will.
4: Hey, Erica. Thank you.
3: So, let's first um, start off by just talking about your upcoming book. Um, it's called, I Felt a Funeral in My Brain. Yes. Coming out in May. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit more about it?
4: Yes. Um, yeah, the title, I Felt a Funeral in My Brain, comes from an Emily Dickinson poem. Um, she didn't officially title her poems, but it was that is what people refer to it as usually. Um, the next line in that poem is, um, and mourners to and fro. So it's, I have felt a funeral in my brain, and mourners to and fro. And that kind of resembles the form that the book takes. Um, the book is a lot about trauma and recovery. And it's told from the perspective of a 16-year-old who is um, learning to become a poet. He considers himself like a poet in training. Um, as he kind of is dealing with some stuff, these little like fragments of his life that are unclear to him, some trauma, things that he's having to, like, reconcile about himself and about his family, um, oftentimes what happens is the prose splits off into verse. And um, so in a certain way, that becomes the mourners to and fro throughout the story is this, um, this like, intrusive verse that comes in and it sort of brings to light new truths that, um, that my character hasn't realized about himself.
3: As someone who has read an advanced copy of this book, I can say it is wonderful. And that transition and the back and forth that Will is talking about really kind of helps take the reader on their like own intimate journey through Avery, uh, the protagonist's experience. Um, and
1: Thank it makes you. it
3: interesting to, to read, you know? Yeah. It's, it's not just like a story. It's, um, you feel like you're part of a story in, in learning about poetry and the great poets with Avery. It's just, it's a really neat experience to read, not only, you know, the content that comes out of it, but the experience.
4: Thank you. Yeah, I was really inspired by one of my favorite um, hobbies as a teenager was just, like, reading the liner notes and, like, in, you know, different albums and stuff. And um, that was, um, I almost wanted to write a book that felt like you were reading, like, the lyric booklet that comes with, like, your favorite CD or something.
3: So tell me a little bit more um, about Avery's experience um with his grandparents okay that's a big part of the book and um I think a big part of many um young Athenians lives as well
4: yeah oh yeah I mean I, I I know that it's not specific to the south but it does feel like a lot of my friends who are from the south like we all kind of grew up in either close proximity to our grandparents or um or even if we weren't like in the same town or in the same, like I grew up next door to my grandparents, but even if that wasn't the case, um, a lot of my friends still have close relationships with their grandparents or, um, something like that. If if we're not raised by them, yes, which, um, incidentally, as we have learned, um, 300,000 kids in Georgia are actually raised by a relative caregiver. Um, many of whom are grandparents. Um, I was not, I, (laughs) I was not raised by my, I can't say that I was raised by my grandparents because I had two parents in my house um, who were very present, but um, like, as I mentioned, I grew up, until I was 14, I grew up living next door to my grandparents on their cattle farm, Um, and I was very close with them, and I was not super close with my parents um, really at all during like my sort of like adolescent to really until I came to college, I became closer with my parents once I moved out. Um, So my grandparents were um, sort of like stand-ins. A a lot of the time and I could actually go to them with, um, you know, sort of more personal issues that I didn't feel like my parents um, were ready to hear. there's not really a whole lot of, there's like Avery has one good friend who's his age, right? And um, you know, his grandfather who is you know, 60 years his senior is sort of his next closest friend. And, uh, and that was pretty true to my experience. And, and I do think it's true to a lot of um, kids' experience.
3: So what about um, specific to Athens? I know your, your book is in pre-sales right now. Yes. Um, what kind of promotions are you running? And I know it's near and dear to your heart to support grandparents raising yeah. grandchildren. Um, so what's going on with the pre-sale and the promotion of I Felt the Funeral in My Brain?
4: Yes. So we are, for each pre-sold copy through Avid Bookshop, we're donating 25 minutes of volunteer time, which I, it was this amazing idea that you and I had when we were meeting with Paige, and um, and, um The whole staff at Avid is collaborating. We've raised up to, well, we have uh, 30 hours worth of donated time through this pre-sale initiative. Through um, the Athens Clark County, uh, sorry, the Athens Community Council on Aging, um, and then that which that is sort of the umbrella that encompasses all of the programs like grandparents raising grandchildren and Meals on Wheels, and um, they have a lot um, going on during the summer and actually less um, bodies to actually contribute to volu- volunteering. Um, I want to encourage any listener um, if they feel so moved to like remember that this is an organization that is volunteer um, that, that relies. So heavily on the um, contributions that volunteers make, um, whether it's monetary, whether it's time. Um, the, in the summertime, so many people leave, um, and I'm really excited that, you know, our co-workers and we get to go um, help out, and all of the stuff um, they need help with ranges from, like, making sack lunches for, um, you know, whatever sort of programs that are going on, or you can just go hang out with some active Athens seniors. Um, it's basically, like, the best... It, this is kind of like the dream volunteer scenario for me because I just basically get to go like hang out with my grandparents. <laughs> so. Exactly,
3: yeah, and um, we talked a lot with um, the folks at Athens Community Council on Aging, and if you think about um, people living in uh, like low-income situations, which often grandparents aren't working anymore, um, they might be on a retirement plan if they're lucky, they mm-hmm. might be um, just getting some Social Security income, but often it becomes a struggle to then you know, raise a young person and all of the needs and costs that come with that. So especially during the summer when the kids aren't going to school, um, they're not able to get you know, the breakfast and lunch at school. That's another monetary yeah, burden on yes. the grandparents for the summer. So Athens Community Council has some um, programs to help those kids just get some you know, free lunches during um, the summertime when it becomes a little bit harder to make sure all of those things fall in place. Um, so our volunteer is going to range from like you said, like making sack lunches to delivering them mm-hmm. to just sort of hanging out with kids or grandparents when they have more free time on their uh, on their plate and and not as le- not as much just general sort of Athens programming There's right. not generally as much stuff to do right in this the college town during the summer. yeah,
4: everything slows down.
3: So we're hoping to kind of fill that void and um,
4: yeah, and I hope too just kind of like. something that like at least I personally can continue to like this is sort of the jumping off point for my involvement with that organization I think because I think that they do such an amazing thing and I do think it is something that we kind of overlook the need for you know it's something that's sort of right there in front of us but
3: so between Will and I I think we have something like 15 years combined (laughs) of selling experience I think it's something we've always sort of done in our life when we were pursuing our other goals which we both are writers and um, obviously, bookselling and writing
4: go, go hand, hand. In hand. <laughs> um,
3: But it's 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 definitely a unique it's definitely a unique job. Yeah. Um, and I think it's something that Athens supports very well, which hasn't been the case everywhere I've lived and hmm. everywhere I've been a bookseller. Can you speak a little bit to why you think Athens is a supportive place to both have a bookshop and a place to support you know avid readers, avid mm-hmm. book buyers? Yeah.
4: I think um, Athens has just such a history of, of being um, supportive of the arts. And, uh, I mean, like, obviously, like, that has long preceded my arrival to this town. Um, and there's just been, like, it's it's amazing to come from, like, where I come from, which is not super art-centric, and then to come to a place that is super art-centric. Um, what I've noticed about our readers in town um, and what I and what I admire so much about Avid is how Avid seems to have its ears out to our community's specific needs. And so those books that go up on the shelves in Avid, you know, they are, they're really deliberately placed there. Um, and it's because, you know, the buyers like Janet and Tyler, um, you know, work so, and the staff at large, really. I mean, it's a collaborative experience. Um, they work so hard to make sure that that's the case. Um, people in our town right now need information and they need... Um, and like speaking, and I I need this too as a as someone who lives in Athens. But we are looking at ways to sort of um, spot solutions um, it, for the areas of improvement that we still need. I mean, we're still like very much a southern town, and we have we have this like terrible history of of segregation and stuff that we're still trying to like figure out how to and inequality and and stuff that like um, we have to figure out how to. Yeah, I mean, and and, and we see it and. Um, and I think having a, a bookshop that knows your community's needs and source bots and, um, you know, ways that it needs to improve vitally um, is, is just so integral. And it's such a, I mean, but you can build that and then nobody comes. And the thing that's so great about Athens is that people do show up right. and buy the books.
3: Well, and I think at the same time, somehow on the complete other side of the coin, it's also a place to escape. Yes. Like we are your community advocate and Avid is here to um, help you personally, professionally, whatever your, your community mission is, but also if you're tired of thinking about your crazy job or your crazy life, and you just need a place of reprieve and to sit down with a good book, yeah, full of or uh, yeah. shelves curated with good books that, that um mm-hmm. like you said the staff has said purposely put that put there. We're that too. Yeah, avid can be whatever you need it to be, and I think that's a sign of a good bookshop. And I think that's the good sign, the sign of a good book reading, book loving community. Yeah. There's something powerful loving, being surrounded by the written word. Constantly. Oh yeah,
4: like right now, especially it's so comfort. Like it's there. It, I mean, it's it's sort of what, what we were speaking about earlier. Like you get there's like the comforting aspect of it, and then there is the aspect of it that is so vital because it's access to information. Um, yeah, yeah.
3: Well, is there anything else that? Um, I didn't ask about that. You just think is important, either about your book, about Athens Community Council on Aging, about Avid, about living in Athens.
4: I mean, um, I feel so like uh, so much gratitude to the city of Athens. Right now, I mean, like the book, I don't, I don't even know that I named the city so much in specifics in the in the book. But like, if you if you were an Athens citizen and you read it, you know like the places that I mentioned. You can picture. Yona Avenue gets a pretty big scene right there at the beginning. (laughs) So
3: So again, I'm Erica Hensley for Radio Athenia, and I'm here with Will Walton, who is both a coworker of mine at Avid Bookshop and a dear friend talking about his upcoming book, I Felt a Funeral in My Brain, which is going through pre-sales right now, and it's out at the end of May. And at Avid Bookshop, we're doing a pre-sale promotion for every pre-sale book we sell. Um, we are donating 25 minutes of our staff time to Athens Community Council on Aging's program, Grandparents Raising Grandchildren. Thanks so
1: much, Will. Thank you. Whether you're an avid reader or you'd just like to hear more about books, there are so many more conversations going on around Athens than we can include in this episode. Avid bookshop owner, Janet Geddes, Recently took the TEDxUGA stage to talk about how sharing vulnerability helps her run a bookstore that welcomes and supports all. And Rabbit Box just hosted A Life Well Read, an evening full of personal stories of how books can change our lives. Find Janet's talk at TEDxUGA.com and all stories from Rabbit Box at rabbitbox.org. Special thanks to our storytellers, Erica Hensley, Will Walton, and Sarah Freeman. Thanks to Nick Malice for our theme music. Our team includes Ginny Alpah, Lauren Baggett, Nina Guzman, Robin McIntyre, Paul Oshinsky, Sidney Shadricks, Jake Troyer, and Alex Vandenhoovel. And don't forget to subscribe to Athenia on Apple Podcasts so you'll never miss a new episode. This has been Athenia. Thanks for listening.